for me, the idea of apartments or single family homes and a mortgage, I just didn't understand it really. And so I had fear. So I thought, okay, mobile homes, I can buy it for $500 or less and that can come out of my pocket. It's low risk because I'm still kind of risk averse. And there's not really anybody providing financing for mobile homes. You're listening to The Life and Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Life and Money Show. I'm Annie Dickerson here with Julie Lamb. Julie, how are you today? Doing fantastic. We just made it to our next destination. And so we're at an Airbnb. I'm recording this podcast overlooking a little golf course just outside of Zion, Zion National. So yeah, got here yesterday. Fill us in though. You were before this, you did a, okay, I got to dig into this for our listeners. (laughs) You did a private tour of Disneyland. I don't know if people even know that that is a thing. And then you made your way over to Zion and Sedona and all this stuff. So just fill us in. You've got these epic travels that you've been taking with your family. Yes. I guess I'll start on the second leg. We started out to head down to San Diego to visit some family. We got to hang out at the tide pools there in San Diego and didn't go to Legoland. We've done that a couple of times, but then went over to Anaheim and we did the private tour. I figured being who I am and wanting to be as efficient as possible with my time and my money, you could do these private tours at Disneyland. And I figured, I think they, I forget how much they run. I think it was about five grand, but I have five people in my family. And when you add up all the tickets over the course of three days, it would probably be about the same or being like the way that I like to be, which is let's just make this efficient fast, get in and get out. So did the private tour, invited my cousin and his family to come along and hit, I think, 18 or 19 rides all in one day. We did some rides multiple times because that's what you get to do is you get to cut the line. It's like fast pass on steroids, I guess, because you could just (laughs) ride it as many times as you want and you have a tour guide to take you around and you don't need to even know where you're going. And they plan out the whole day. You give them a list of all the things you want to see and that's what they do. But yeah, we did the Disneyland thing and then we headed over to Palm Springs for a couple weeks and then we were in Grand Canyon this week, which by the way, oh my gosh, if anyone out there has never seen Grand Canyon or been there, I did not think I was going to be as like blown away and inspired by all of its beauty and just, it's so majestical. The minute we got there and looked out into the canyon, it's just so peaceful. And even just talking about it now, I'm getting the chills because it was just so massive and amazing, but in such an understated and quiet way. But we had a great time there. We rode bikes along the rim with the whole family. And so it was so fun to be able to do that. And then now we're here at Zion and we'll be checking out Zion over the next couple of days and then down to LA for a couple of weeks before we head back home. So yeah. Wow. What amazing adventures. I can't believe it. You're doing it. You're living life by design and taking full advantage of that family time, which actually is one thing that came up on our conversation today with our guest, Drew White. He is a modern wealth consultant, but he does a lot of things. He's invested in notes. He's currently looking to buy an apartment and he specializes in infinite banking and being your 
own banker. So we dive into that, which by the way, I'm surprised you didn't figure out a way to like extra boost your Disneyland private tour. Like, oh, I figured out the secret strategy where I get the whole thing for free. And then it's like, (laughs) but that, yeah. Sounds like it was quite an adventure and very efficient, but that's a big theme of the conversation today as well as really maximizing your experiences and not being afraid to try new things. And that's what Drew talks about a lot through his financial journey, which started with $150,000 in debt. And he and his wife came out of that on the other side and then they were like, now what? How do we build wealth? And so we talk a lot about that on the show, his journey to turning over every leaf and trying to figure out the best path for him and his family and what they're doing now. It's quite an incredible story. Yeah. And one of the things, as I mentioned throughout the show that was so cool is that he has tried so many different things and didn't just settle on one thing that had some benefits, but he's really always continuing to be a student. And I think that's such an important thing for folks when you get into the investing world is to always stay curious because there's so much to learn. And I think that it's easy to get into real estate investing or investing in general and think that you kind of know a lot about a particular topic, but the truth is there's so much to learn. And when you have that student mentality and you're open to taking risks, you will find yourself so much more knowledgeable and experienced than you otherwise would have been. And talked about the best thing was the end. Oh my gosh, you guys are going (laughs) to get this hack at the end of this show. I'm not going to spoil it right now, but I am going out tomorrow and doing this hack. But it was in the last three parts of the questions. We always ask everyone on our show on the Life and Money Show Spotlight Round and was just so good. And I think will only positively impact his life and anyone who tries it. So um, yeah, Indeed. I'll leave it there. Well. Yeah. Nice little teaser. Love it. Well, for anybody out there who is hopefully all of you are in that student mentality and just trying to learn as much as you possibly can, because even for us, we've been in the real estate space for a while now, but we're always still learning new things. And so for anybody who's new to the real estate space, or you're just starting out in the passive real estate investing space and wanting to learn about syndications, a great place to start is to get a copy of our book. It's called Investing for Good. And we have a free hardcover copy for all of our listeners. Just go to goodegginvestments.com slash book. Now with that, let's go ahead and dive in to our conversation with Drew White. Drew, welcome to the show. How are you? I am great. Thanks for having me on the show. How are you ladies today? Oh, we are fantastic. And we're so excited to dive into your story. Now, Drew, you have such an incredible story. You used to be a pediatric oncology nurse and you graduated with 150000 in student loan debt, which I cannot even imagine, but it's something that so many people these days can really relate to. And after many twists and turns along the way, you are now a modern wealth consultant on a mission to help people build wealth and become their own bankers, which is something we've talked a little bit about on this show in previous episodes, but I'm excited to dig in further with you today. 
So start by taking us back earlier in your story. So what led you down the path to become a pediatric oncology nurse in the first place? I was born December. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to start. There you go. <laughs> On a stormy Friday night. I was, yeah. it was, <laughs> I was like, oh man. A cold winter in night in December. Yeah, no, I'm just there kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. So what started me down the pediatric nursing trail was I was an athlete. I pretty much always thought I was going to be an athlete. To be honest, I was like really good at soccer. Thought I'm going to be a soccer player forever. I don't need to think about that future thing. That's what I'm going to do. I had two nieces. They were twins. And they were born premature when I was in high school. One of them made it. The other one didn't make it past 12 hours. So we all rushed there and everything. And we spent a lot of time with them in the hospital. And while we were there, I met a male nurse, <laughs> which we, in my world, we called them nurses, which is not <laughs> a male purse, by the way. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> it's a very versatile <laughs> term. <laughs> it is, it is, yes. And so met a male nurse who was just terrific with my niece and then just some other nurses as well. And that was the first time that I was just ever thought like, oh, there's another thing I could do with my life. And I had thought about, I think I'd be pretty good at this. And then my mom said the same thing. I mentioned it to her and she's like, I was thinking the same thing. I always enjoyed kids. I've coached kids soccer and things. And so just kind of was like, I think I might like that. And so that's really what kickstarted. And the funny thing is just like, there's nobody medical in my family. My family laughed when they actually thought about me wiping bottoms and things. Like as a nurse, it was like, really? You're going to do that? I was like, I don't know. It seems like I could do it. So <laughs> I really should have been a child life specialist is what I later learned. I just liked playing with the kids. That's really what I liked doing. There you <laughs> so that's what that's you what me down that path, the nursing thing. Okay. So then you go to nursing school, you graduate $150,000 in debt. Take us back to that time. How did that feel? You had this huge accomplishment, right? You wanted to be yeah. a nurse for a while and you accomplished this, you achieved this milestone. Were you excited to head down this path? Were you like, oh, dreading the payments? Like, how did that feel? So I can remember a couple of things. One, the school I went to, I chose to go there because I really believed I was going to walk on and make the soccer team. And I have a whole tragic, fun story I can tell you another day, but it didn't work out. And my dad, after the first year, was like, maybe you should transfer out of here. You might think about going somewhere else a little less expensive. And I was like, no, no, no. Everybody's paying back nursing loans. That's what they're all telling me. Like, it's fine. Hospitals will pay me. And just didn't listen to him. So I graduate. The second part of this I really remember is my dad was a pastor. Like, money wasn't his background. But he knew a little about Dave Ramsey. So he sits me down and he's like, hey, I just want to talk to you about your payments and stuff. And let's sit down and figure this out. I can tell he's really worried about me. And so we sit down and that conversation is when the weight of it hit me. And that was very shortly after I passed my nursing board. So I was on a high and then it's just like, boom, the low. And I start looking. Great dad, out, like, bring yeah. me down to reality. <laughs> God. Thanks, dad. <laughs> but I'm appreciative because it was like, oh my gosh. I remember thinking this thought in my head, what did I do to myself? What did I just do to my future? Right. I mean, it was like, and then of course, a little bit of a victim mentality of like, why was I allowed to make this decision? Like I was only 18. Come on. Like there's no taxi maxis. Like, come on. But I remember just sitting there like the weight of that really was heavy. When he and I are doing the math, it's like, I was only making 35,000 a year to start. And I'm like, how does this, like these numbers don't add up? Like, I mean, what am I going to do with my future? Who's going to want to marry me with this kind of debt? Luckily I did find somebody, but uh, that's <laughs> another story. So yeah, it was definitely heavy. I went from excited to like, oh my gosh. And it's a weight, honestly, I lived under for years. I developed a scarcity mindset and that took me 
a long time to get out of. What did you do? So you had that conversation. You were faced with this reality. You couldn't mm-hmm. back out of it. No takesy-backsies. <laughs> and so you had this career you were starting out in. What was your plan? Did you do the math and did you know how many years it would take to pay it off? Or did you have a plan to pay it off early? Yeah, I'll be honest with the audience. I'm not a huge Dave Ramsey guy anymore, but I went the Dave Ramsey route. And so I did the whole gazelle thing. I was very aggressive. The thing that's frustrating that nobody really tells you about is once you do that and you pay that off, it's like, well, now what? I literally have nothing. And so it was like, I don't know how to build. He doesn't really touch on that because his things that he says don't mean to rail on him here, but aren't really true wealth building tactics. The numbers he gives you don't really line up and add up. So the plan I used was I did the Dave Ramsey gazelle. I'm appreciative of that really is what kickstarted my financial journey and what got me to say like, what are other people doing? What are wealthy people doing? That really created a thirst for knowledge on finances for me. Because I was like, I am not okay with this being my future forever. I mean, I hate to admit this to the audience. I even coupon clipped. I was a couponer for a little uh-huh. bit. I, I was in a, I was in a patient's room and this mom was watching like extreme couponers or something. And it was like night shift. It's like five minutes later, I'm standing there just like staring at the screen watching. And I was like, people do this? And she's like, yeah, they do. And I was like, How? And so, of course, I start Googling. There's another nurse who does it. And I become this crazy couponer. I had like 20 toothbrushes that I didn't need. (laughs) (laughs) So you can see there was some scarcity for me there. That was my kind of plan was initially Dave Ramsey. I evolved from there, but that's where I started. That's so funny, the couponing. I think probably everybody sees that show and they're like, oh my gosh, I could totally do that. I could buy $1,000 worth of merchandise and get $8 back. That would be amazing. Uh, I had all this deodorant I didn't need and wasn't even the brand I liked, but I had it. (laughs) But you had it, right? It's like a win. You get that feeling like, ooh, I got this for free or for a huge discount. (laughs) Which one should I try today? Let me try this one. (laughs) What I love about your journey is you really experienced on the front lines this, what it was like to be under that mountain of debt and you were able to get out from under it. So for our listeners real quick, who are not familiar with Dave Ramsey or the gazelle method, you know, tell, give us the highlights of what that is and how you came to choose that path. So you basically take any extra money you have and you throw it onto your debt to build momentum. He calls it the snowball effect or something like that. And so you really start with your lowest, the one, maybe if you have a 5,000 balance, you start there instead of the 30,000. And then Gazelle is like, you pretty much do anything and everything to get out of that debt as quickly as possible. And so I think, I can't remember the exact numbers, but we were about in that, like, I actually ended up adding my wife's debt to the pile too, once I met her. So it really took us about three to five years. Mm -hmm. I didn't do as crazy Gazelle intensity I will tell you the one interesting thing I found about gazelles when I looked them up once is that I think they're actually like the most hunted upon prey, which I found interesting that Dave chooses gazelles as his analogy, right? So I was one of them. I was one of the prey at some point, but (laughs) but yeah, that's really what it is. It's really just basically going super intense. I know you didn't ask this, but to do it differently, I would do what you guys probably preach is real estate. I would have other people's money pay that debt back for me instead of me. And that's the thing I really took away from it and learned, but so yeah. Okay. So you take three to five years, you pay off, you're probably eating ramen, you're clipping coupons, you're doing <laughs> yeah. whatever you can yeah. to pay down this debt. I forgot about and the then, ramen. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, he everybody says that. goes yeah. through that phase. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you get to the point, and I assume at some point you paid off your loans and your wife's loans, and then so at that point, what did you do then? That's when I kind of went down that road of like, now what? I have nothing. I mean, it's kind of cool, but it's like you go from negative to now you're at zero, and then I just realized I don't know what to do next. I really just had this like thirst for knowledge and just was like. I'm going to read everything I can. Started doing podcasts or listening to podcasts. I got into day trading, actually. Did okay at it at times, not okay at other times. Stressful. And- <laughs> you got to get up like super early and be oh, like yeah, on yeah. top of it. Yeah, I loved it, but I thought I was really be awesome at it. So I like quit nursing for a bit. And what I realized is actually it meant too mentally taxing to have just that. You have to have something else. And that is when I learned about real estate. I was like, I have to have something else, but I don't want it to be nursing, to be honest. And then I was like, well, oh, other people are doing this passive thing. What is this? What is real estate? And so I really started devouring podcasts. I think I went to like five bigger pockets webinars. I was on the message board there. It was a few years. It wasn't like, okay, paid off the debt. Boom, I know what to do. It was like a lot of research. And honestly, I used to be very analysis paralysis. So I did that for really long time. And I found my way, you know, if you want to get into it, I found my way into providing notes and financing for mobile homes eventually is how I got started in real estate. So it took me a little bit to kind of like figure out what are other people doing and reading and learning more. I think both Julie and I can relate to that phase where you're like just crazy, like thirsty for knowledge. And you're just like, I know the answers are out there. I just don't know what questions to ask. I don't know where (laughs) to look. I don't know who to turn to. And just turning over every leaf, right? And listening to as many podcasts and reading as many books as possible. Julie used to listen to podcasts and books nonstop on her three-hour commute every day. Turn my car into a library, but yeah, I mean, that's a part of it, right? Is what I love about your story is that you see something and you're like, let me try this, right? And that's the only way. And I Mm -hmm. think so many people are afraid to make mistakes or they don't know. And so they do nothing, right? Mm -hmm. And, but what I love about what you're saying is like, hey, I thought maybe day trading might be Mm -hmm. it. I thought maybe nursing might be it. I thought maybe whatever. And you kind of get a flavor for each one and each one kind of builds upon itself to give you and teach you something that you didn't know before to tell you more about who you are and what might be the right Mm -hmm. investment vehicle or thing for you to do. And so I love that you were gutsy enough to (laughs) get out there and try stuff. I appreciate you saying that because I used to be so ashamed of that. I would be like, oh my gosh, I'm like somebody who tries 20 different things. I'm that person here and there and I'm over there. And I was really kind of embarrassed and really cared a lot about how people viewed me. And that's something just only in the past, I think, couple of years and that I've gotten over. And even before I started doing becoming your own banker thing, it was like, I knew I was certain like, this is something I'm going to love and <laughs> want to do forever. But I was so worried about what other people were going to think. Like, oh, he's doing something else. It's just a Ponzi scheme. And so, mm-hmm. but you're right. I eventually learned and, and like read up on like, oh, successful people try a million different things. They fail all the time. It's not a big deal. And I used to just beat myself up over it. And only because I was so concerned about how you were viewing me and how my cousin (laughs) viewed me and not appreciating that. Like later I had friends tell me like, you're kind of scrappy and you'll just try things. I mean, most people don't do that. I was like, really? I didn't know that. (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) I finally flipped it on its head, but it took me a little too long. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, so through all of the digging that you did and all the trial and error that you did, give us some of the highlights. What were some of the things that you tried like day trading that maybe didn't work well? And some of the things that you thought, oh my gosh, this is it. And it really stuck and it really changed the trajectory of your journey. Well, couponing, I don't recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) Not a great (laughs) long-term wealth building strategy. (laughs) So I did the day trading thing for quite a while. Along the way too, I looked into options trading as well. There's one I'm missing in the middle here that I can't think of at the moment, but I did do one other thing. I also did a lot of like, I think I'm going to try this and I'd tell my brother about it and then I'd not do it. And then I did the mobile homes and the real estate is really having that experience. And I still have people paying me notes for the homes. And having that experience of I'm just the bank for them and the passive money coming in, that was like a pretty life-changing moment. Like the first one, I know it was only like $300 a month, but it was like, oh, this is what they're talking about. Like that was a pretty like light bulb moment for me. My wife has tried things as well. We're trying things together. She had a business that she tried to start and COVID kind of shut it down. And so I've kind of helped with that as well. It's very entrepreneurial. So together, when you combine us together, we've tried many different things and she struggled with the same thing about people thinking about her, but real estate and then this now, the becoming your own banker thing. Those are like the two things that really were pretty life-altering and eye-opening for me, I would say. So tell us, tell us about what did you get involved in in real estate? What area? As we all know, there's a million different things in real estate that folks can do, which I love so much because you can hop into the world of real estate and then be like, oh, well, maybe notes is for me, or maybe mobile home parks is for me, or maybe flipping homes is for me. Like, There's so many different ways to make money in real estate. It's so fun. In the beginning, it's like walking into Disneyland. It's like, which ride do I want to ride today? (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about that. I would say it can be overwhelming too at first. Mm -hmm. That's so... I remember reading an article from Bigger Pockets, and it was like, before you decide or how you decide, look at all these areas. And it had a whole list. And it was like, read up on each one and decide. And I remember getting to mobile homes and laughing. And I was like, nobody is making any money off of mobile homes. Do people still live in these? I don't even see these anymore anywhere. You know, I was like, no way. So, of course, what happens end up like on the dark web at like 2 a.m. reading about mobile homes <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like gone way down the rabbit hole. And my wife, Kate's like, are you coming to bed? I was like, just a second. I think I figured out a hack about mobile homes. And so, and this is where it's like a couple of things came into, I ended up choosing mobile homes. I found a coach. I always had done well in athletics with coaching, but I hadn't really ever done it in like professionals life. I did it with day trading and that guy, he actually changed my life kind of personally, more than with investing and just kind of opened my eyes to some things about gratitude and meditation and all of these things I wasn't doing. I had a lot of success with that. And because of him, I was open to like, okay, there might be someone who knows more about me with mobile homes and maybe I could learn from. And so I found a mentor and I paid him and started doing that. But the other reason I chose mobile homes looking back, I was still a little bit in that scarcity fear mindset. I had just come out of the $150,000 of student loan debt in my mind. I didn't understand leverage and I didn't understand banking. And so for me, the idea of apartments or single family homes and a mortgage, I was gonna have all this debt. I just didn't understand it really. And so I had fear. So I thought, okay, mobile homes, like I can buy it for $500 or less and that can come out of my pocket. It's low risk because I'm still kind of risk averse. And there's not really anybody providing financing for mobile homes. So it's actually not crazy competitive to get into once you get your name out. Like I was a month in and found my first deal. That's how I got to mobile homes, I'd say. So you got in, you said you got your first deal. Where was that? What 
part of the country was that in? Yeah, Omaha here, Omaha, Nebraska, put out like a little Craigslist ad and had yeah. found this elderly couple. They were needing to move into like an assisted living facility and they couldn't have mm-hmm. any possessions. And so they just wanted to get rid of this and not deal with it. Mm-hmm. Looking back, never should have bought the home. It worked out. That's the thing with mobile homes. You can like make mistakes and still be fine. But I got lucky. And after that, I was like, so I did like afterwards, I did a whole like after action review because I was like, I'm not going to get lucky again. Like I need to like Mm. learn from this. And so I wrote like all the mistakes I made, which was honestly the most helpful thing I did was that first home. So Omaha, Nebraska, I tried to stay within about a 30 to 60 mile radius of Omaha. Mm. So I went out to Lincoln is an hour away where the Huskers play Go Big Red. So I went to Lincoln, but I actually stopped doing that eventually. It was just too much. I needed to hire somebody out there, basically. Okay. So you bought this first deal and then are you still doing mobile home parks now or no? No. So I've just kind of really recently transitioned out. My wife and I are trying to find an apartment complex in the area to buy together. I do have a couple people I'm connected with that are doing mobile home parks and I was going to uh-huh. do with them, but uh-huh. they're having a very hard time finding parks. And yes. so I said to my wife, I don't want to sit and let our money just waste away. Like, let's go find something. So we ourselves are looking at apartments now. And I would say the reason if I can get into it here with Please. the notes. So the reason I got away from the mobile homes and the notes, it's great. It's not as passive as I want. And I, that's fine. I could have built it into a bigger business. But the issue is, for example, I have a guy three years ago, started paying me notes he pays me 300 a month. Well, 300 a month, three years ago and 300 a month now, those are two different numbers. So he's getting a great discount. I'm not getting as good of a deal and I can't raise his rent. It's a contractual agreement. It's not rent. I mean, I'm the bank. And so I realized I can't really do what other owners and investors are doing where I can hedge against inflation really at all. Honestly, mobile home note investing, there's not a ton of tax benefits either. Like that's the other thing. Depreciate the asset, anything like that. Nobody wants a mobile home. Like no bank wants that. Then I can take that off my hands. So that's some of why I realized it was great learning lesson for me. But as I learned more about real estate and leverage, I was like, there's a better way, I would say. We'll get back to our conversation with Drew in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid like we were that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. 
To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now back to our chat with Drew White. And this is what I was saying earlier. It's like, I feel like everything that you've gotten into, you have learned one more thing or two more things about what works, what doesn't work, what the smarter move may be. And some folks never get to that, right? They never discover that one thing and that second thing and that third thing and get to a place where now their whole idea and viewpoint of investing has completely changed because they went out there and did these things to come to that realization. So again, just want to honor you for being gutsy enough because a lot of people look at failure or look at that as like giving up as like a negative thing. I don't think so. I don't agree with that. And so I love that you have ventured off into new lands and want to encourage anybody out there who's listening, who may be stuck in a place that where you don't have the answers and you don't know, and you think, oh, maybe this could be for me, like get out there and try. Because when you get out there and you try, you're going to discover things about yourself and the world around you that you never otherwise would have realized. And that in and of itself is something times the most valuable thing out of the learning that you get from moving through all of this. And so you realize that apartments, which is all the reason you're speaking our language. (laughs) I went down a similar path when I first got into real estate, dabbled in a little bit of this. I did some hard money lending and was like, oh, you mean I'm going to get taxed on this money too, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. And CPA is like, yeah, it's going to be taxed as ordinary. So I'm like, oh, okay. So that 13% like interest that I'm getting paid now knocks down to whatever, right? Yes. And so then it's like continuing to look for the boxes that are all checked, right? Where you get the cash flow, you get the appreciation Mm. on the back end, you get the tax benefits and all of that, which is why we love multifamily so much. So now you've arrived. (laughs) Thank you. I'm finally joining you. (laughs) Here you are. Yeah. And so you're looking at apartments and I'm always so envious of people who live in areas where you can be like, oh, 30 minutes from my house or 60 minutes from my house. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look for an apartment in my backyard because Annie and I don't have that luxury. We have to partner with other people where that is the case for them Mm. and this is in their backyard. So now you're looking at multifamily. What size are you looking at and why? And I think this is important to bring up because other people who might be along the same journey and right where you are and might be considering moving into multifamily on the active side now, right? And just so I'm clear, you're looking to actually take down your own apartment, not invest as a passive investor, right? Correct. Yep. Right. So tell us about that. Like, cause I think some people might be like, I'd love to take down an apartment, but I don't even know where to start. So I'm assuming you've already done some research to figure out like where, how big, like what's doable, what's not. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I'm really looking. I mean, I've told the brokers anywhere I would be, I said like five to 20, I'd be open to. I did say anything bigger. I know a few people <laughs> feel free to send that to me. And why so- was that five to 20 though? I wanted to do commercial. Yeah. I wanted to get more like commercial loans and to have the property be more like what they're lending to. I guess I would say I'm still a newbie as well in that space. So anything I say that I mess up, you guys tell me. And I did the same thing with that I did with mobile homes where, I mean, I went to a workshop, which was in Wisconsin and I'm in Nebraska. And I mean, I think I was like maybe one of two people in the workshop just taking notes like very intensely, but just trying to learn how to find the deal. Right. That's really the key. And so learning how to find a deal, learning what kind of area of town and two guys that I know that do mobile home parks, both very generous. And so I've been speaking with them about like, cause like one of them invests in an area, we call it South Omaha. 
And so I was like, why do you invest in South Omaha? What do you like? Because I know a lot of people that are scared of South Omaha. And so trying to learn my area as well, I would say. So for me, I mean, I, I guess I kind of veered off here, but for me, I'm looking at that five to 20 range. I was wanting commercial loan, wanting something I can depreciate. I also just really try active. I have a lot of friends who are syndicating and who do passive that I would gladly invest with. But for me, is like, I like to get my hands a little dirty. I just want to get in and try it and see and learn. And I also, I think it'd be fun. And I think it's also the first time my wife's been excited about real estate. <laughs> and so I really want to do that with yeah. her. She did not care about mobile homes. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I was going to uh, say. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes she to tell, like when she'd tell me, yeah, he's uh, writing notes for uh, mobile homes, you know, <laughs> it's like very quiet. <laughs> That's another and now thing. she's like, of, you know, we're buying apartments. Yeah, we're going to do apartments. Yeah. So, so yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. And I love that because right there, you sort of laid out the blueprint for anybody who might be looking to jump over to the active side. First, one of the biggest things you said that you like to get your hands dirty. You want to be in the active side. And I think that's the biggest question right away is somebody who might be considering jumping over to the active side is, you know, how much do you love getting into the nitty gritty and kind of getting out there and talking with brokers and or driving for dollars, that kind of thing? Like, does that excite you or is that a turnoff? Because if that's a turnoff for you, jumping over to the active side probably (laughs) might not be a good idea. And so laying out what you just said, you're really sort of telling someone, here's the things to kind of consider as you move along. So you just started in that journey. So I'm assuming you haven't found anything yet, but you're hoping to, as you kind of go along and work with brokers, right? Yeah, I've come across a few, but nothing that was worth the investment or the time. It's a tough (laughs) time right now. Yeah, it's a. I think it's funny. I jumped in. I'm like, feels like the wrong time, but not really. But you just gotta be patient. So, and that's one lesson I learned from the first mobile home was like, I just wanted to find a deal too eager. So now I'm like, okay, I'm gonna find the right deal, not jump in. Well, I'm a big believer of, you know, we don't time the market. If the right deal is ready to come along, it's going to come along when it comes Mm -hmm. along. And because of all the time that you took to find that deal, you'll know when that deal presents itself, you'll know. Mm -hmm. And similarly for us, we took about eight months off, said no to a whole bunch of deals. And when the right deal came along, it was the right time and it was the right opportunity. And so hang in there and keep going with your (laughs) underwriting and your broker relationships and keep going and you'll find the deal when the time is right. Mm -hmm. So I do want want to ask about the banking, be your own banker. So is it like the infinite banking strategy or talk to us a little bit about that and how you fell into that and explain for any listeners who might not have heard, we've had a couple of guests on the show talk about infinite banking, but for anyone out there who doesn't know what infinite banking is, can you explain that for them? Infinite banking concept or becoming your own banker. I came across it on a podcast. I was just trying to get my steps in while the kids were at a playground early, like COVID was like, what is this? And then it's the kind of the same thing. And the other things I've shared is like, I was halfway through the book and I was like, I get it. Let's do this. And I told my wife, I was like, this makes too much sense. I'm doing this. <laughs> I eventually, like, as this process went on, really was like, I want to help others with money in some way. And so I always knew that was out there. I just didn't know how, and I didn't want to be a financial advisor. I told my wife, I was reading it too. I said, I think I want to teach this to people. I know I don't know it very well yet, but I want to. I jumped in and, and then pretty much right after I started teaching. And so what you're doing is you're creating your own private banking system. It's a unique vehicle. I'm not giving anything away here. It's overfunded whole life insurance. You overfund it, and then you leverage what you're putting into this whole life insurance product. And it's that same concept that investors are doing. You're using other people's money. You are able to take loans from that policy 
to go use it for hopefully investing in real estate, investing with you ladies, create more cash flowing assets. So there's some people who talk about, you can use this to finance your cars and you can't, that's mm-hmm. great. Our goal with the group I'm with is we want people to use it to go get more cash flowing assets, whether it's buying a business, whether it's buying real estate. And then the coolest part about it is you can never interrupt the compounding interest that's going on inside of your banking system. So you're always going to get 4% tax-free guaranteed, get into the weeds a little bit. But the reason is that they're basically putting a lien on your policy when you take a loan from the insurance company. If I lost anybody there, feel free to ask mm-hmm. questions mm-hmm. to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough topic. It's a, it is. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. When Annie and I talk about it, we're like, wait, how does it go again? <laughs> like, <laughs> we run ourselves and we've been doing it for a while. And mm-hmm. it's a tough one to kind of explain kind of how it all works for sure. But at the heart of what it is, it's like you said, is to put the money to fund it and then basically to take it out and to leverage it. And it essentially gives your investments a little bit of a bump. So if you're earning yeah. 4% within the policy and you take a loan and you invest something like a syndication like we do that earns mm-hmm. 8%, you're now instead you're making something like 12% return. And so that's kind of how Annie and I both use it too. I assume you have your own policy and you've opened it up and have you used it to invest already as well? Yes. I started ours about a year and a half ago, maybe two years now. I got to look, but don't judge me, but I'm a Bitcoin guy. I love Bitcoin. Okay. Oh. I, any other crypto? I don't know any oh, other now crypto. I know. I know. Do we stop? Do we need to stop? Okay. Do we stop? I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm not sorry, actually. But, um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so yeah. I tell people, I, like, I, I literally know nothing about any other crypto. I haven't bothered with it. I had a friend give me a book. I thought Bitcoin uh-huh. people were, I was very harsh. I kind of thought they were dummies. And then I read about it and was like, so my first policy loan was actually early last year, I took a loan to buy a decent chunk of Bitcoin. And then right. other Bitcoiners would not like what I did next. I basically stored it on like a high yield savings account. And mm-hmm. so the high yield savings account, the interest I get from it pays back my loan basically. So that was kind of a unique strategy. Now we do have the money in there as well that we're going to use for the down payment for our apartment when we do buy it. And so, and Got that's, a, I would clarify with some people, sometimes people will talk about like, so wait, you have to build this up and then you're going to buy a whole building with it and finance it yourself. And we're not fans of that because right now, like interest rates are crazy low. So you'd kind of be silly to do it that route. So we say, use that for like, you know, your down payment, the 20% down or 10% down or put it into a fund. So you don't have to have it at all in there to finance a whole big apartment because right now you'd be kind of silly not to use the bank's money <laughs> and leverage mm-hmm. their money as well. That's right. What was the book that you read? Bitcoin book? Yeah. Oh, the Bitcoin. It's called The Bitcoin Standard. It looks incredibly boring. And when my friend handed it to me, (laughs) I was like, I have to read this. Like, no, (laughs) because my friend gave it to me. I mean, and I like him. And so it's actually fascinating. It's not totally all about Bitcoin. It's actually about the history of money and how money actually created a lot of wars and issues that you don't always hear in history books a little bit. And he just goes to why society would be better with sound, hard money. And he eventually winds his way to Bitcoin, but it was very fast. So by the end of it, I was just like, wow, no one's ever explained it like this. And it was very fascinating. Okay. I highly recommend it. 
Cool. Well, I'll have to go check it out. That is, yeah. we need to get a Bitcoin expert. I guess maybe one of these days when you buy a little more Bitcoin and make yeah. a few more mistakes, yeah. we could have be back on the show <laughs> to talk about Bitcoin. Yeah. But it's definitely something that I think we need to learn more about everyone. I think that Bitcoin and just crypto in general is the way things are headed with the new currency and the way that we'll work together as a society and how we exchange goods and money and all that kind of stuff. But I just don't know enough about it. And every yeah. time I open a Bitcoin book, I'm like, oh, God, I'd want to fall asleep. It's so boring. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So hopefully that'll That's be how I was. change your book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was totally not open to it. I mean, I thought they were dummies. So I was like really harsh to my friend that was into Bitcoin. So yeah, I did a total 180. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll definitely have to put that in the show notes. And Annie and I will have to go and check out that book. Um, maybe we'll make it our book of the month next month, Annie. <laughs> yeah, let me know yeah. if you do. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, so much fun stuff to talk about on the show today with you, Drew. And like I said, I think the biggest thing is that I took away from our episode today is all of the adventuring that you did with all of the different things that are out there. And I certainly did the same. I know Annie did as well. And so love all of that. So we're going to jump into our life and money spotlight round, where we're going to ask you a couple of questions around life and money. So the first question is around your life and money. So what is one thing that you're doing right now to live a meaningful and intentional life by design? Great timing of this question. So yesterday I made a LinkedIn post about this. I switched to a flip phone. (laughs) (laughs) I got rid of the smartphone. It can do everything. It can do a map, all of that, everything, (laughs) but internet and email. And honestly, it's my seven-year-old that really was the like reason for the change is like, she was getting so mad at me when I'd be on my phone. She's like, can you get off your oh, phone? Yeah. And it's like, that's fair. And I tried everything. I mean, I tried to do the grayscale thing. I tried deleting all the apps and then I'd always make an excuse why I need the app this one time <laughs> yep, and then it'll yeah. be gone next. Yeah. Minute. And then it's like two months later, I was like, oh my gosh, all those apps are on my phone again. Like what? So I made this post on LinkedIn and I was like, you win software phone developers. Like you got me. I can't beat you. I'm going backwards. And so I did that because I just noticed like even my focus is just not where it used to be, I feel like. I mean, it was tough for me at times to just focus for 20 minutes and then just wanting to be more intentional and more present with my family and my wife, my kids, friends. So my goal is there just to be more focused and more present. And like, I know yesterday it was very small sample size, day one, right? But I didn't have the phone in the room. I didn't care. I was actually, I told my wife, I was like, I was so much more focused. And I was like, it's kind of crazy. And then after school, like, work wasn't with me when I went to get my daughter because it's like, well, I just text her, call somebody. And so I played with my son outside. Things that I'm always like, yeah, 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 I'm coming in a second. Those are my priorities. Like I, family's what really makes me tick. And so that's long-winded answer, but doing the flip phone is yeah. what I've switched to recently. Yeah, that's so funny. I actually went to downsized. I had like the big pro super duper max phone, right? And it was like this huge thing and did that for like years. And then this year I moved to iPhone 12 mini 
thinking that I would accomplish what you're getting now. And instead it's been the complete opposite (laughs) and it has left me completely frustrated. Like for most of the year, I'm trying to work on this like tiny little thing. And so, but I love that. Which phone did you get? I didn't even know they still make flip phones. Where where do you get one of those? So, (laughs) okay. So last year I tried it out once and I did a Blackberry and they stopped supporting it. And everybody was laughing when I'd pull out a Blackberry. And so I went back to the iPhone and then I was like, I'll be better this time. You know, I'm not. Right. So I just randomly came across this. It's actually made by Mennonites. It's okay. called F1 Orchid. And there's like three versions. So mine's the Orchid, but F1 by Sunbeam. So yeah, I mean, and like, <laughs> I was like, it had great reviews. And I was like, I'm going to give it a go. And even the screen is a touch screen. I mean, you can touch oh. it. The voice to text is actually really good. I don't make any money off the product, by the way, because I looked into all these things. There's like all these kind of cool little hipster ones they're coming out with, but you uh-huh. can't group text and all these things. And so it had, finally, I was like, that's what took me months to figure out was the right phone. I think I found it. I'll come back well, in there two months you go. and tell you. <laughs> well, there you go. That just makes the whole show right there. Anybody yeah, there that wants to you, be yes, more present yes. in life, go get the Sunbeam <laughs> F1 in your life. There you go. <laughs> it reminds me of something that Gary Keller says in his book, the one thing about how you've got these glass balls in your life. Mm-hmm. Your family is a glass ball. Mm-hmm. Your health is a glass ball. But your work is a rubber ball. When you bounce that, it'll come back. The glass balls, they don't come back. Mm. And so you've got to be intentional about being present with your family because that doesn't bounce back very easily. Yeah, that's so true. I'll add this. I'll stop talking about the flip phone, but my son is four and loves golf already. And so I spent the morning golfing with him and I told my wife, I go, I didn't think about it till later. I go, but I actually never checked my phone once. And I was like, I used to always, we'd be golfing. I'd be checking it and checking email and checking LinkedIn. Oh yeah. and, And so even that was just like, and he had a blast. And so did I. I was like, it was so fun. I mean, it was in nature. I didn't even think once about it. So yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go get on the wait list for this sunbeam thing. <laughs> <laughs> I need yeah. to get some like money for that. I got to call yeah, them yeah. up. <laughs> Affiliate links. <laughs> We're going to have to have you back on the show just to check in on the smartphone. Okay, there yeah, go. Yeah, I'll like. do it. Do a five minute segment. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, the second question is around others' life and money. So what is one life or money hack? Although I feel like that was a hack right there that you could share that'll make an impact in others' lives right now. The other thing I'm doing that I heard on a podcast, um, Jim Quick, I love Jim Quick, but he had somebody on there and the guy was talking about how high achievers do five-year journals. And I've only ever seen ones that are like very like kind of like feminine design. And so I just kind of assumed it was never for men. And so, <laughs> the and male so, <laughs> notebook, it's called the moat book. The, the moat book. <laughs> Full circle. I love that. There we go. Oh, that was good. Oh my. I was like, really interesting. And so I'm going to try it out for a month. And so I tried it out for a month. It really is a hack because what I realized at the end of the day, I always get like mad at myself if I didn't do everything that on my to-do list for business. Right. But at the end of the day, what I always write in my five minute journal is about family and friends and really connection. It's like mm-hmm. always about that. It's always like, oh, I had this amazing moment with Winnie, my daughter, or I had this great time with Teddy on the golf course. Yeah, that's what I'll write about tonight. Oh. And so it's actually helped me because there's been moments where like when I come out for lunch, Teddy always asked me to wrestle and I would be like, yeah, just a second. Oh. And so now every day, like when he says it, I literally just like, okay. And I put my stuff down and we wrestle. And I told my wife, I said, this is actually really changing my life because I said, I've realized the moments that I remember each day at the end of the day. And so now it's actually making me, when those moments happen, like really take advantage of them and really focus in on them. To me, that's been one of the best life hacks. And it's led to, I would say it's comparable to doing gratitude as well. You Mm -hmm. kind of write what you were thankful for at the end of the day a little bit. 
And it's just a couple sentences. And I've never been a journaler, honestly. And then it's fun because I ask myself like questions like, what did I decide on this next year? What turned out with this? So you can go back and evaluate. And so it's been pretty awesome for me. And so this is a paper journal, not anything you have on your phone. Obviously, I, I don't think the Sunbeam allows you to. T- it does <laughs> not allow for the five-year journal on the Sunbeam. I will talk with the developers later after this. But uh, <laughs> okay. no, I got it off Amazon. It was like a blue one. It looks very masculine. Says five-year journal. I mean, no cursive lettering or anything. Right. No <laughs> pink or anything like no. that. Got yeah. it. You should talk to my husband. You guys have a lot. Of <laughs> okay, I love that. Yeah, I do not journal write, but I do write, so to speak, or type on my phone in like a Google Doc at the end Mm -hmm. of every day. But I have heard that writing with a pen and paper, that actually helps to sort of cement in like your experiences or whatever it is that you're writing about a little bit more than just like typing it on your smartphone or whatever. So I love that. That's a good one. I'll have to go get a pink one with flowers and stuff on it from Target or whatever. <laughs> you got your Bitcoin standard, you got your flip phone. And there you, you go. Five-year journal, you're set. That'll be our like little picture icon for this podcast is like the Bitcoin it. book and like the pretty journal. <laughs> I like it. All right. Last question is around life and money in the world. So what is one thing that you're doing right now to make the world a better place? Well, I would say hope it's, I mean, I hope it doesn't sound too cheesy, but I mean, being a dad, there's this lady that my wife and I follow. Her name's Ralphie Jacobs and she's like a parenting guru, right? And there's such a thing now. And so, but one of the things she says, one of the lines that my wife and I love and have stuck with us is that our children are messages and our gifts that we send to the future, right? Because we can't go to the future and we can't see. And also there are the kind of the gifts that we send to our great grandkids as well. So for me, that's, big life callings more than anything I do is being a good husband, I'd say. Taking care of myself first, being a good husband, but also just being a good dad and being intentional and present with them. That's to me, one of the most powerful things I can do while I'm on this earth. Could not agree more. And I think it comes out of everything that you've talked about is this core focus on what's most important to you and where you're trying to get to. Mm-hmm. And that's the been the theme throughout your story. And so, Drew, I know we're at the end of our conversation, but tell our listeners, because I know they're going to want to follow up with you and learn more, where's the best place that they can go? Yeah, I have a website, www.ibcdrew.com. IBC stands for infinite banking concept. So ibcdrew.com and there's, they can just sign up for a little free email course and they can also click to talk to me as well. Either one. Awesome. Drew White, real estate investor, infinite banking expert, modern wealth consultant, and newly minted flip phone user. Drew, (laughs) thank you so much for being on the show here with us today. Thank you. I had so much fun. This was awesome. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth, and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations. 